are so grateful that you are joining with us on our podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are a church here in Salt Lake City, and we invite you to connect online at lifechurchutah.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. That was pretty pitiful. Uh, let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. There you go. Much better, much better. You guys expecting some fun on uh, Saturday? Hopefully get together with friends and family and enjoy, uh, enjoy the morning as some of you have young kids that get up at about like 5 a.m. on Christmas. How many parents are like that? Your, your kids get up super early? How many of you make them go back to bed until like noon? Anybody? Do? Yes, that's what I do. So uh, hopefully you enjoy the morning and it'll be a great time together. And, and really don't forget uh, Christmas Eve service, just a great time together uh, right at just on, right at like a 55 minute service uh, time together for, uh, for us and family uh, to be together for communion and a uh, really, really fun night. So make sure uh, you are there this Friday night at 5 p.m. All right. So around the second week of February, if the temperature is just right, the skies are just right, and the traffic is just right, uh, you might be able to see an incredibly rare sight if you are in Yosemite uh, National Park. So it's a little, little ways away from here. Um, but on, like during these just few days of the year, every year in February, around the second week of February, on the east face of El Capitan, the 1,570-foot horsetail waterfall turns into what is called firefall just on those days. And again, if everything is just right, the temperature not too cold, not too hot, and the, um, and the skies are just right, then this is what you will be able to see. Pretty incredible, right? I mean, that is just... But again, it's, it's the sun happening to shine right through everywhere that it needs to shine in order to get the color glowing on the side. I mean, it is just a wonderful... I have never seen that. Anybody in here seen that with your own eyes? I have never... Oh, way back in the back. Yes. Thank, you'll have to come up and describe it to us. No, not really. Um, so, so this is it right at just the right time, though. You've got to be there in order to see this. And I've heard it's really a beautiful, uh, a beautiful, beautiful sight. And that, that looks like it right there. Um, uh, one day, this, a number of years ago, my wife and I, we were on our way back uh, from our internship in Greeley, Colorado. We, we were serving uh, over the summer uh, underneath Pastor Jim. Many of you have been a part of Life Church for a while. I remember Pastor Jim. And uh, so we were uh, there as his interns with the youth ministry, and we were on our way back, uh, and we were going through Wyoming. And so we actually spent some time here in Utah after the internship, grabbed some things, and we were driving. You ready for this? like a 1987 Pontiac 6000 LE. That's a dream machine. Yeah, I've got two thumbs up in the back there, all right. So it is a dream machine, and yet uh, it's not designed to, to pull a trailer, and yet we talked U-Haul into putting a trailer on that thing. And uh, so we were pulling like an eight-foot trailer, overloaded with way too much stuff uh, on our way back to, um, uh, to Springfield, Missouri, back to Central Bible College. And so we are driving through Wyoming um, on that particular day. And how many of you know when you pull a trailer, what happens to your gas mileage? Way less than I thought it was going to be, especially with that monstrous engine inside that Pontiac 6000 LE, okay? And so we're getting terrible gas mileage. I underestimated, or actually overestimated how far we could make it. And we're driving along, and I realize as a new young husband that we are not going to make it to the next place we're supposed to be in order to fill up for gas. And so I'm freaking out, sweaty under the arms, all that stuff going, all right, we're going to do this thing. And so we have to pull off the road, and this is 1992, 
1992, Wyoming had even less gas stations available than they do now. And so there is nothing available. Up ahead, it says, you know, full services. And, and so we pull into a gas station that was supposed to be open and drive up to it and realize it's closed permanently. And so, so we pull up there and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? We're just going to die in Wyoming. That was kind of the plan at that moment and the good plan that a young husband has. And so as we're sitting there, um, and remember we had stopped, we're out of gas. Another vehicle pulls up behind us and they are like, you got to be kidding me. Is the gas station closed? We're like, yeah, sorry, it's closed. And they're like, oh, we're out of gas. And so these people, like five minutes later, they're out of gas. And I'm like, ha ha ha. <laughs> We're not alone now. We can die with multiple people around us. It's great. Um, and then soon after that, somebody pulls up and they're looking for oil. Gas station closed. They don't have oil. After them, another person pulls up and I forget exactly what it was, maybe coolant or something that they needed, but they had a gas can, five gallon gas can filled with gas. So us being the most efficient car without the trailer, we drop the trailer, we fill up our car and take the gas can and then we just bullet it way away from, no, not really, we came back to help. And so we go to the next town and we fill, we fill up, we fill up the gas can, but I think we bought another gas can and filled that up and bought oil and coolant and then make our way back like 45 minutes, that's how far away it was, to this place. Now we get there and it's not just the three other vehicles, there's like six or seven vehicles all stopped looking for something in Wyoming. What a terrible place, Wyoming. No, not really, I love Wyoming, it's great. <laughs> Right? And so, but so as Shelly and I were talking about it, you know, years later, it's still one of those things we look at. And if we had, it's like at just the right time, we almost ran out of gas. And then at just the right time, somebody else ran out of gas. At just the right time, and then somebody had a gas can that we were able to use to go in and get oil. I mean, all of that stuff. And now, this might be seem really, like I'm not going to over-spiritualize it, but Shelly and I recognize that in a weird sort of way as God looking out for us right? God was found in an empty tank of gas. <laughs> we had an opportunity. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, revival broke out and we had like a prayer meeting with all these people we didn't know, but we, you know, they're asking, okay, what do you do? And, you know, talking to them about uh, the church and talking about our relationship with Jesus. And it's not that anybody, you know, fell on their faces, repenting to, you know, repenting to the Lord. But in those moments, you just go, okay, God, thank you that you move at just the right time in our lives when we trust you. And uh, it was just kind of one of those fun, uh, fun moments uh, in our lives. And we realize God's got this. God's got us. And uh, I remember one time I was actually with Kayla, bringing her back from college. This is a couple of years ago. And uh, driving along again with my truck, pulling a trailer with her car because her car was terrible. And, um, and so, uh, I mean, we ran out of gas on the way, on the off-ramp, and I'm like honking my horn, making sure nobody stops so I can just go right through and pulled in, but I was clean out of gas. It's beautiful. Now notice that's a thing in my life, running out of gas, so it's great. <laughs> you know those things that tell you, you know, the light goes on, you're almost out of gas? Ah, it's just a suggestion. Just keep going. Just keep going. Have you ever had something happen to you at just the right moment? At just the right moment. Perhaps a conversation that you had maybe an unexpected financial blessing at just the right moment, or maybe you hop on eBay at just the right moment and pick up a PS5 for $300. No, that didn't happen to me. Unfortunately, I wish it had. We can sometimes chalk those things up to happenstance. You know, those, it's just a circumstance that happens, but what if God is working behind the scenes on our behalf? Now, not to say that God's working on the scenes behind, behind the scenes on our behalf for a PS5, although you might pray that way, right, at times, but... Um, maybe God is out, out there, right, 
wooing us towards him, pulling us towards him through the circumstances of our life. And so for those of you who are following Christ and have chosen him, have said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. That work is kind of already done. He continues to do that right and draws close to him. But before Jesus, maybe it is that God is at work conspiring to draw us to him through the circumstances of our life. And I believe that uh, the kind of God that he is, while he's not controlling of every decision that we make and every action that is done, nonetheless, he is powerful enough to use every circumstance to draw us to him. He's also powerful enough to take any circumstance in this world and ultimately move it towards his will. And we know what his final will is. We see that in Revelation at the end where there's a new heavens and a new earth and that our God is with us, uh, right? And we are able to worship him in person. Now, a perfect example of the way that God moves things towards his intentions is given in the Bible with direct consequences for where we are today in this Christmas season. Now, uh, how many history, any history buffs that, that we have here in the, in the church this morning? Anybody like, you like history? Raise your hand. Oh, there's like less history lovers in this service than first service. <laughs> We've got some so-so things out there. Raise your hands again proudly. Wow, it is like really sad right now, but we, I love history. I'm a, I'm a big uh, history buff. I enjoy like documentaries. I love, I, like, like if you look at my, my podcast list, there are history things on there and just fantastic stuff. But throughout history, if you're a history buff, and even if you're not, you learned it in school, uh, nations have risen and fallen. Right, all the way back from like the Sumerians and the Akkadians uh, to Assyria and Babylon and then the Greeks and then the Roman Empire, right? There's this succession of nation after nation after nation rising and falling. Um, but something astounding happens right around the time that the Roman Empire begins to have power. So prior to the Roman Empire were the Greeks, and they had taken over really all of the known world at the time, and um, the, the, uh, the conquest that they had made wasn't only just uh, the physical conquest of nations and lands, what it was was also a conquest of language, and everybody spoke Greek. I mean, that was just the way that it was. Everybody spoke Greek and something else. I mean, that was kind of the, the normal experience for people. If they wanted to get anything done, they spoke Greek. And then the Romans come along, and one of the things that the Romans were very, very good at is they would build roads. And so the Romans built roads all over this new empire of theirs, taking over the Greek lands that were there and the common language of Greek that was then spoken now within the Roman world. And this is the only time in history that this kind of setup begins to happen. When you have the roads that now allow for relatively free and safe travel across an incredibly huge uh, area of land where all the population was. And into this world, into this time, at just the right time, something astounding happens in an out-of-the-way place in a little town called Bethlehem in the region of Judea. And it's into this world as God has kind of worked through the rise and fall of nations. And I really believe that his hand is in all of this, leading to just the right moments when what we see in the Bible revealed as the birth of Jesus in this tiny town called Bethlehem. And so the, the story of this moment, right, it's an astounding thing as God has worked all of this together. Uh, I would expect to see uh, something like really crazy written about this and, and, you know, at length the story being told in the Bible. But the reality is the story told in the Bible is pretty simple. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 1, 
beginning at verse 22. It says, this all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took, um, took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son whom he named Jesus. There's the birth story in the book of Matthew for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, right? I mean, it's a pretty simple story that is told there for something so astounding. And then Luke chapter 2, right? I mean, this is the one that we go to. Many of us on Christmas Eve will sit down and read uh, the Christmas story, and this is where we go, is Luke chapter 2 to tell the story. But even here, this is a pretty simple story. It says in, um, Luke writes in verse 6 of Luke chapter 2, while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. That's it. It's pretty simple for such an astounding story. It seems like such an understatement, but God seems to work like this pretty often. Where God takes the understated things, God takes the forgotten things, God takes the outcasts, God takes those who are not in power, and he says, I'm going to do something with you. You're not going to know the outcome of the story for a long time, but I am going to take your story and make something of it. And I believe this is what he says to us, even to this day, that when we feel forgotten or left behind, just like the impossible from last week that we were talking about, it is then that God is at work. Right? So I believe God is at work in every one of our lives, really all of the time, but there are special moments in our life where at just the right time, God has worked all of these things together for his good. But as you know, this is no ordinary birth story. As simple as it is, it's truly creation transforming. And this is known by the disciples um, really kind of after the fact. It's not like Jesus as a little toddler in his little toddler cage or crib. Maybe that's a better way to say it rather than cage. Uh, toddler crib. He's there and he's like looking over at like the other, little, uh, the other little disciples as if he had them back then. Say, hey guys, I'm going to do something great when I grow up. You know, that wasn't happening at all. And so much later, the disciples look back and they realize, oh, Something was at work, not just in Bethlehem, not just in Judea, not just in the Roman Empire, but God was at work doing something powerful. One of those individuals, although not a disciple uh, officially, but he certainly was an apostle, his name was Paul. We've talked about him quite a bit, and uh, we'll continue, by the way, our series on Romans once we get through our Christmas season. But in Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, this is how Paul talks about this idea of what was going on in the world around him. It's like he was able to see, even after when he wrote this, probably around 60 AD or so, maybe 52 AD, um, as he's looking back those 52 years, and then the Roman Empire came into power in about 60 BC. So about 100 years has, pa has passed, and Paul's looking back going, wow, God, you have been up to something for a while. And so he writes this. He says, but when the appropriate time, it says in the New English translation, many other translations that you might have on your phones or in your Bibles, it says, but when the fullness of time had come or when the fullness of time had arrived, God sent out his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we may be adopted as sons with full rights. And because you are sons, God sent, his spirit, uh, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts who calls Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then you're also an heir through God. 
Right? And there are times in our translations uh, when we, right there, because it, it, it said son, 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 son. So what about daughters? How, how, do, we, how do we handle that as they're, they're not room then for daughters in this whole thing? Well, right before this in Galatians, what's very interesting is that Paul, uh, he said, there is neither Greek nor slave, neither male nor female. There's this idea of, of an equality that happens. And so when Paul is writing this, he's writing from a, a legal standpoint. But the reality is this promise is for all believers, that we are adopted in as sons and daughters of God, that there is, we are heirs together, sons and daughters of God, that there are promises that are received for all who are following Christ. So it says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And really, there has never been a more powerful statement made. God sent his son at just the right time. It's like God is waiting patiently for everything to be worked in such a way is that at just the right moment, right, when the Roman Empire comes to power, when all the roads are such that once the church is birthed at about the age of uh, about 33 AD or so, when the church is birthed, now the church can spread very, very freely throughout the Roman Empire in a way that it's never been possible before that time. And now the church and the gospel is spread throughout all of the Roman Empire. As Paul wrote about the purpose of this birth, he says it's to redeem and that we are to be adopted. And this incredible relationship that we have with Christ is at just the right time, that he makes us right with his father and that we are brought into this family um, in a way that is totally unique. And then this, the, uh, the, um, the approval of that or the witness of that is that the Spirit, Christ's Spirit dwells within us. And that relationship with God is such that it's intimate. It's not this far off God, this far off deity that is, you know, kind of left us to be on our own. But it says, uh, says there in what we read earlier that we can call through the power of the Spirit, we can call God Abba which is, which is a, a kind of a slang term for dad or daddy or something like that. Um, daddy, father, there's an intimacy associated now with our relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. You see, at just the right time, Jesus was born into a world ready to receive something new that it didn't even recognize. But obviously, the birth story is incomplete as just a birth story because as uh, Jordan shared with us through the spoken word, um, there is more to the story than it involves the risen Christ. Well, in order to be risen, there has to be a death. And so Jesus, his birth really starts the, the ultimate narrative story of the fact that Jesus was born. He lived a sinless, perfect life, died on a cross for our sins, was placed in that tomb and uh, didn't stay there in that tomb though that that stone was rolled away and that he rose again back to life. And because he rose again back to life, we have the promises now of being adopted into this family of God. That is the big picture. And this is again how Paul reveals it to us in Romans chapter 5. We talked about this a few weeks ago. For while we were still helpless at just the right time or at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. It was just the right time uh, nearly 2,000 years ago. That was the right time, but what about for today? How is it just the right time, <laughs> right? But maybe at just the right time, you got an invitation to attend Life Church. 
Maybe this morning you had a, uh, or you know, maybe earlier this last, last week you had a coworker that begrudgingly, because they didn't even like you, <laughs> invite you to church, right? And says, hey, why don't you come to church with me, huh? <laughs> right? And gives you some sort of invitation or welcomes you to be there. And at just the right time, you said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to church for the first time in 25 years. And you're here today, maybe you're watching online and there was an isolation and a loneliness that you've experienced. And for some reason this morning when you got up, you slept in a little bit, but then you got up and you said, I'm going to see what's on YouTube. And you just happened upon Life Church Utah and you're watching it now for the very, very first time in your life at just the right time. Maybe it's through a dream. I don't know if you realize this, but God can use dreams. I was talking to somebody uh, right after first service, and uh, she was telling me, she said, you know, uh, there was this dream that I had just the other day, and I felt like I was pulled in two different directions, and it was like darkness was really pulling on my life. And she, she said in her dream, she was praying, Jesus, you know, set me free from this. And she wakes up from this dream, and, and God, uh, she, she said, I really believe God was convicting me about, she, she really liked uh, like horror films. That was just kind of the one of the things she liked. And uh, she realized that battle was going on in her life. And she woke up from this dream. And uh, really, Jesus in that moment convicted her, the Spirit convicted her of, of that in her life. And she said she went right then and she took this whole, she had a whole bunch of these things and just threw them away in the trash and really felt like God was setting her free from that in her life through a dream. You realize God can use dreams, okay? And uh, But uh, even within the Islamic world, there are, there are a lot of those. Uh, who are following in Islam where, because they value dreams, where Jesus is showing up to people in dreams and bringing them to a relationship with Jesus. So it might be through a dream. Maybe you had a dream last night and you are here this morning. Maybe a spouse is the one who at just the right time invites you. Maybe it's a friend that invites you. So it's in these moments like nations rising and falling and God is there all of the time working on your heart, working through pain and struggle, working through victories, but always, always, always wooing you towards him. It's like he's saying to you, look, I am here right in the middle of all of this. I'm here with you. This is God's heart, I believe, in this season. The season of Christmas, there's something about it, right? Jesus given for us. Um, so the question I think that, that I always wrestle with is, what does this mean for me uh, tomorrow? Right, when, when I leave from church, church is a great place, we're surrounded by people that, that love Jesus, we're surrounded by people that understand, you know, and so that's, that's great and wonderful, we need to be here. But what happens on Monday when we go to work? Right? What, what happens? What's our responsibility? How do we actually live this thing out? Um, I got to thinking about that, and at just the right time, right, is, is the, the, this idea and the theme for this is just the right time. Uh, there are a number of you who a few weeks ago, um, at just the right time, um, responded to the, uh, the Christmas wish tree that we had out there, and uh, everybody from first service, uh, they took all of the names of the kids and then we had to scramble super quickly to get a bunch more names out there. And then you guys took all of those names of kids and you provided gifts for them. And it's really just a beautiful thing. And we're so grateful for that. About 140 kids that we were able to provide a Christmas for. Um, and uh, some of those gifts, right, are just the right time for these kids. And honestly, for the parents to recognize 
yeah, there is a God that's looking out for us. We don't fully understand or grasp it. But have a couple of pictures here. This is uh, the David Gorley School. And this is, we gave more than three gifts, by the way, to David Gorley School, just so you know, okay. Um, but this is a uh, principal and, and one of the uh, counselors, I believe. And uh, they were able to distribute those gifts uh, to the David Gorley students and super excited for them. We also partnered with uh, another school and unfortunately names escaped me right now. Uh, but then we also had our, our own students here through our after school program. Here's a couple of pictures of these kids, and I love it when we get a chance to see these kids, right, receive something unexpected, really, folks, at just the right time. You can see the joy in their face as they open up these gifts, and we have an opportunity to participate at just the right time. I heard a story this past week of a parent who'd been praying for their son who, was, uh, who knew the truth but just through circumstances, kind of wandered away uh, from the church and was, you know, obviously the parents are praying for them and believing uh, in the moment and just praying, okay, God, whatever it takes, bring them back to church, bring them back to you, bring them back into right relationship. And uh, so it was relayed to me that uh, that they had been praying and they didn't know how God was going to move. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, somebody, um, like another young man had come up to this son and had said, "Um, hey, you want to go to church with me? Very unexpected, out of the blue. I mean, it was not something that was, uh, that, you know, was hoped for in this moment, but a to- almost a stranger came up and said, hey, let's go to church together. And so at just the right time, right, the son was able to say, well, I had nothing else going on, so uh, let me go. And where are we going to go? And he goes, the other guy goes, I don't know. Let's go find a church. And so together they went to a church that this guy had never been to before, and they found themselves in a little tiny Baptist church, and uh, God showed up in the life of that uh, son a couple of weeks ago, and I know the parents were overjoyed that at just the right time, an unknown friend showed up in the life of this son's, um, really in his heart, and the son responded. Just so beautiful, right? At just the right time. Um, Another thing, uh, at just the right time, uh, somebody came up to me as well after uh, first service, and they had given to the one, one day to feed the world. You guys remember that a couple of weeks ago, and just the generosity was there. And uh, she had given, and I'm going to say the amount just because uh, it's important, um, she had given $100, and it wasn't, didn't represent one day's wage for her, but it was just kind of a situation as an unbelieving husband, and just like, okay, I'm going to figure out a way to give, and faith, just, okay, God, uh, not expecting to get anything in return, right? Just like, I'm going to do this. This is the right thing to do, stepping out in obedience. And so she did that, and you know nobody knew how much she had given. And then somebody here uh, last Sunday walked up to her, knowing a situation, not knowing that, but knowing the situation that she's in, knowing some of the difficulties and financial things, husband without work, and, and all that, walked up and gave her $200 and just said, God really laid on my heart, just want to bless you and uh, just encourage you. The Lord sees you. The Lord sees your faith. And just, just receive this as a gift from the Lord. And I'm like, what an incredible story at just the right time, right, showing that God has got this in your life. So when we leave here today, is it going to be just knowledge that we gain? Hopefully a little bit, right? Hopefully we gain a little bit of knowledge but it needs to be transformation. It needs to be that, that the things that we hear and the stuff that we do through worship and the way that we respond should be transformational in our lives. And uh, Paul, he's writing to a church in Colossae, and this is what he writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, God wanted to make known to them, to Jewish followers of Christ, the glorious riches of this 
mystery among the Gentiles, as Paul puts it. This mystery among the Gentiles, because uh, the Jewish, early Jewish believers, there was a struggle there. Could, could people that weren't Jews, could they come to faith in Christ? How was it all going to work out? And many Jews at that point said, no, they had to follow the law. You had to be circumcised, had to follow all the Ten Commandments, all of that stuff. And so it was driving this wedge between the people. But Paul is saying that there is a mystery among the Gentiles. What is that mystery? The mystery is which is Christ in you. This mystery is that Christ can be birthed in anyone, in anyone. Doesn't matter your economic foundation, doesn't matter your, or your ethnic origin, doesn't matter where you live in the Salt Lake Valley, it does not matter your education, it does not matter Christ in you. And it says that this is the hope of glory. So the heart of God is that this, that Christ would be born within us, especially in this Christmas season, but how is Christ born within us? Whose responsibility is it? Well, ultimately we could say it's God's responsibility, right? I mean, God is the one who's done it all. He's paid the price on the cross. So, so that's, that, that certainly is that responsibility there, but we are in partnership with him. There's this incredible story in Mark chapter 5. I know we've talked about it before, but Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 18. Uh, there's this guy who is a de- demoniac. That's how he is called in the, in the New Testament. He's a demoniac, somebody tortured by demons, somebody who is probably possessed, somebody who had been bound literally by chains in his life. He lived in the, uh, um, lived in the cemetery uh, outside of the city. I mean, this guy was destitute and broken. He was naked. I mean, this, this dude was messed up until Jesus showed up in his life at just the right time. The Bible says that at one point after Jesus had driven the demons from him, he is, he's sitting there in his right mind. And then Jesus and the disciples, they've got to move on from where they are. And so it says, as, um, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed asked if he could go with him, with Jesus and the disciples. But Jesus did not permit him to do so. That makes me mad. Right? When Jesus changed my life, I want to be with Jesus, right? I want to just kind of hang out there. I want to just sit there and worship. I mean, that's just, you know, that's part of this thing. Our lives have been changed. I want to be with Jesus. But Jesus said there's a bigger responsibility than just to be with him. And this is that responsibility. He said to him, go to your home and to your people and tell them what the Lord has done for you, that he had mercy on you. So it says he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's where he lived in the area that he lived, what Jesus had done for him, and all were amazed. Whose responsibility is it to tell the story of Jesus? Sometimes we can put it all on God's shoulder, right? God, this is your responsibility. You created all of us. (laughs) Make it happen that way. But we have a responsibility as the people of God to tell the story because we're the only one that can tell our story. That's it. Nobody else can tell our story. Nobody else can tell how Jesus has interrupted our life at just the right time to bring us to him. The picture of someone who has been so changed, this demoniac, so filled with hope, right? That is a compelling story when they know the way that he was. And then he shows up in his right mind 
not naked anymore, which is a very, very positive thing when you're witnessing for Jesus, <laughs> right? And uh, he shows up and begins to tell the story of how Jesus has changed his life. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we close out. So we're here this morning, and for some of you, this is just the right time. Just the right time. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Nothing strange is going to happen if you're new to Life Church. Nothing weird is going to happen in this moment. But you're here, and uh, you would say, you know, I, I know that I need Jesus in my life. I don't, I don't really know all that it means. I'm, I'm new to this whole thing. Somebody invited me today for the first time, or maybe I'm watching online for the first time, but I recognize as you've talked about Jesus, I recognize that I need his transformation within me. And you're here today and you would say, I know that in this Christmas season that there's something missing in my life and what's missing is Jesus. And this is just the right time. If that's you and you would say, I I know I need the Lord in my life, can you just lift your hand really quickly? I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to invite you to pray with me, actually. Thank you. Lots of hands up on the floor and the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to invite everybody to just repeat a very simple prayer after me. And uh, so say, dear Lord Jesus, you are welcome in my life. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, I don't have it all figured out, but I trust you with my life. Jesus, I give to you everything. And thank you for loving me in return. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome those who made that decision this morning. And don't leave because I've got like one more thing to talk through. But if you are, um, if you uh, prayed that maybe for the first time or it's a rededication, in the seat back in front of you is that, that same card we use uh, for welcoming new guests. Uh, but uh, I would love to have you fill that out and just mark on there that you made a decision for Christ. We would love to follow up with you and uh, talk with you about next steps. So the second side of this, right, that's the first responsibility we have is, is that, is, is bringing people to Christ. But sometimes that responsibility can leave us uh, a little bit fearful. And so what, I, what I'm going to ask next is every head up, every eye open. And you would say, you know, pastor, I'm in a position where I just need a little bit of courage uh, to be able to share my faith. Sometimes it can seem a little daunting, uh, but I just need a little bit of courage uh, so that when the right time comes, at just the right moment, when I know it's the right moment, that I'm able to share my faith. I'm able to share the story that Jesus has changed my life. And you say, I just need a little bit of courage. Can you just lift your hand really quickly? Thank you. Yeah, just like first service, a lot of people need courage. And my hands raise as well. There are times when it's tough, but that responsibility is there. And I think about my neighbors uh, just down the, down the street from us is, uh, is a house full of young adults. Some of them have been, uh, been away from church for many years, but grew up within like even Pentecostal churches, but are away from the Lord. I'm like, okay, God, give me the courage at the right time to be able to speak to them and other neighbors that we have around. That's my responsibility in my neighborhood, and not just because I'm a pastor, because I love Jesus, right? Right? And that's, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, so that's our responsibility. And so let me pray for you uh, for wisdom and for courage. And Lord, thank you, God, for every one of the hands that were raised. Lord, we need courage to be able to share our faith with those around us. Lord, especially during this Christmas season, uh, where really it seems like hearts are somehow a little more softened towards the gospel. 
And so, Lord, let it be that we're able to share the gospel of Christ with confidence, Lord, with your grace, with your mercy, with humility. Give us wisdom, God, to be able to share at just the right time for our neighbors, our, uh, our loved ones, our co-workers, Lord, wherever we are, God, even to strangers on the street, Lord, help us be ready to share the gospel of Christ. Lord, we love you this day. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. And Lord, that requires us to be more like Jesus. And so Lord, shape us into your son. And uh, God, that we'd be able to share the gospel of Christ with boldness. Lord, we love you this day. God, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't forget Christmas Eve and don't forget to sign up if you'd like to help us on uh, Christmas Eve morning at 11 a.m. with uh, feeding uh, our, with, through our food, food share program. God bless you guys.